Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. Today, we have a fascinating show. We're going to be speaking with my guest, Catherine Williams, about unschooling. Um, and there, there is going to be talk about schooling, unschooling, and homeschooling. Um, and since I connected with Catherine recently, it was really the first time that I heard about unschooling. And I'm just going to tell you, I have not been able to stop thinking about it since I learned about it. So let me just tell you a little bit about Catherine, and then we will get going on the show. Catherine Williams has spent several decades teaching, working with, listening to, and learning from children. Her own two children were unschooled from kindergarten until they graduated at 16 to start college. Catherine's favorite job after parenting is working with dairy cows. She is also a doula, professional baker, and knitter. She's planning to keep bees and grow roses next, unless anyone has a baby that needs holding. If you have a baby that needs holding or any questions about elementary education, cows, or home birth, Catherine can be reached at willcat at gmail.com. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. So as I mentioned, um, after we connected and talked about uh, unschooling, it was really my first exposure to that as a as a concept. And mm. I have not been able to stop thinking about it. So I'm wondering um, if to get us started, you could tell us about schooling, homeschooling, and unschooling, just to frame our conversation. Okay, well, I think that schooling doesn't need any introduction. We've all been schooled, most of us. Um, homeschoolers tend to bring keep their children home from school and teach them themselves. And unschoolers pursue something called child-led learning. I think that's the simplest way to sum it up. So there was no time where I sat down to teach a lesson uh, create lesson plans and um, convey a very specific set of messages in a specific order. That That's not how we were learning. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about your history um, of being schooled versus homeschooled? Sure. Um, I grew up in the Chapel Hill Carborough City School System, which is one of the best public school systems in the country. It's um, we have a high percentage of our graduates go on to Ivy League schools. We are well known in the country. And one of the things that I was very sure about when I grew up and became a mom was that I would never put my kids in that system um, because I knew that it was one of the better systems in the country. And I thought it was really unimpressive and oppressive. And I saw firsthand, I had 13 years to just sit and watch what wasn't working. And it's not that I was making a careful, conscious study, but I was awake and aware and paying attention. And I didn't forget the things that I saw. <clears throat> um, so, so, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Pardon. Go ahead. I was just going (laughs) to say, can you kind of tell, I'm just, I'm really fascinated, you know, about how somebody who's being schooled in the way that we're, we're traditionally aware of, Yeah. you're at the same time taking in that it's really maybe not for you. Yeah. You know, um, I, I found out after I grew up that the school system had told my mother when I was very young, like in first grade, that I was learning disabled. And this is kind of before that had been invented. (laughs) Um, So you just got a diagnosis of learning disabled or LD, they called it. And there was no such thing as like, let's find out if she's dyslexic or anything, which turns out I am. But my older brother was gifted and talented and I, he was four years ahead of me. So I was watching him go through school and seeing all the fascinating things he got to do. But I didn't know that I was learning disabled and I didn't know that he was gifted and talented. So I thought all students were going to be treated like gifted and talented students. And I thought that I would be given the hammer with the nails to do the string project, you know, Mm. all that stuff uh, that I would get to write a book and practice binding books and then get to illustrate it. That was a thing that gifted kids did. Um, Learning disabled kids didn't do anything. All that information came to me, you know, after I had grown up, but, um, and then a bunch of things made sense. Um, I sort of got lost actually just in my own thoughts there. I'm not sure I'm answering the question that you asked, but I was never a gifted student. I was never I was a mediocre student all the way through. Let's say that. Okay. And so you saw kids being treated differently, being given different opportunities, having access to creative endeavors and materials and things like that based upon being identified as talented and gifted. Right. Okay. And I I also grew up with the, the talented and gifted. They called it TAG. And yes. And so that was literally the name of the program in my, in my elementary school. And I was quite a good student um, because I'm, I'm a schooled person raised by a a English teacher. And, um, but I was not considered talented and gifted. And I, I, yeah. And I remember feeling less than Mm-hmm. Um, about mm-hmm. that and seeing my friends go to the special talented and gifted because they would pull them out of class. Right. They pulled write, them out of class. Yes. And send them to do special things. And I was like, huh, I wonder why I'm not special enough uh, uh-huh. to be part of the, t- <laughs> to be part of the talented and gifted. Yeah. Mm. It's a really valid question. It does make you wonder how it affected your self-esteem growing up. Those are pretty tender years. And it's not just like, it didn't just happen for one college class, one semester. That was your whole elementary experience was knowing that you had been tracked that way. The issue of tracking, what this taught me when I stood back as an adult is that all children, and this is not admitted anymore, but it does still happen. All children are tracked in kindergarten, meaning they know who's LD, quote unquote. They know who's GT. They know where kids are gonna fall in general. And almost no one ever transcends that track by the time they've graduated as seniors. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, well, what's the point of education? If you're not pulling these LD kids up, you haven't done anything, have you? And if the gifted kids came into your program gifted 
and left your A students and went on to Harvard and Yale, you didn't really do anything for them, did you? And that's kind of the moment I realized all children are homeschooled. Right. So let's say a little bit more about that. So because many of us grew up being schooled and maybe had some interaction with other kids that were homeschooled. And never, mm. never really like, ooh, like, oh, those are the homeschooled kids, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, those are the nerds, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, right, so sort of. But so talk more, though, about the fact that we're all homeschooled. Mm. Um, this, I actually didn't, I didn't arrive there until after many years of trying to convey what unschooling is to other parents who were in the school, had their kids in the school system. And I finally realized that the most important learning that we get, we're, we're born hardwired as individuals, you know, from our genetics and our parents, I guess. And um, then there's the environment that we've been raised in and continue to be raised in the whole time that we're growing up. And I just would like to say, I think that that is the most important education that we get. So if you're sitting at the dinner table and your parents are really interesting and bright and they're talking to you or you're just getting to listen to them talk and they're feeding you really high quality food and you have a beautiful life and you're really that that is a that is a firm foundation for a good education right there it turns uh, out well which i think is so it's wonderful um to, really to frame it like that and my own childhood we we sat down and ate dinner together almost every night of the week. So what you're describing, I also experienced coming yeah. up, right? So I was schooled in the school system, but I was also uh, homeschooled in lots of different ways that prepared me to right. comply and compete uh, right. in, the schooled, in the schooled system. Because that's what your parents wanted you to do. We can guess, you know, they exactly. were- Basically grooming you, though, I'm sorry to use that phrase. That's not, it doesn't have the right connotations. I mean, they were schooling you. They were educating you. We educate our children. We're just not taught to think that that's valuable or matters. We think we're taught that school is what is valuable and matters in terms of education. And when we put our children there, something happens and makes them smarter and it's on purpose and it's done specifically. And we have no evidence that any of that is true. In fact, the human brain is hardwired to become more complex as it grows. And as children are going through the system, they're growing and that's making them hopefully, most of them smarter. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the worksheets in first grade, mm -hmm. lead you to the worksheets in second grade and on. That's not, that's a fallacy. Yes, I, I actually was re reflecting on it in terms of if you're able to, if you're able to understand that system and comply with it, you can do well in school, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're maximizing your learning potential, right? Well, that's, right. that's right. You're complying, you know, you're complying, you how to comply for sure. So, yeah. okay. So um, fast forward, you have your own children. Mm -hmm. And when does the when does this come into your life? This idea of unschooling your own children. Mm -hmm. Well, it began with homeschooling, and that is pretty much across the board how 
um, home all, all not go to schoolers begin with homeschooling and they think that they're gonna do school at home. It's enormously stressful for everyone. And then it slowly devolves to unschooling. That's kind of the typical trajectory. And how it happened in our family is that um, my kids are only 16 months apart. And I, I was struck with this very selfish realization that if I kept my son home from element from kindergarten, I could begin um, he and his sister at the same time. And then I would get a job. Um, I think it's difficult to pin down the moments that these things start, but the, I think the first most important moment was that I had worked really hard to get my son into a dual language program because I thought um, studying a second language was a good reason um, from, a, from an immersion point of view. That's a thing I could never give him myself. And I thought that was a good reason for a traditional education. And I needed that myself, but I wasn't thinking about homeschooling yet. Um, so I prepared, I worked really hard to get him into the program. He was only four and a half and I had to explain that we were going to do something called testing that he'd never heard of. And then we had to go to a place called school and meet strangers and he was put through testing and he got in. Um, but then I realized that I wanted to keep him home for a year and start them at the same time. And so I got down on his level I'll never forget this. And I, and I looked him in the face and I said, sweetheart, we worked really hard to do this thing called testing to get into a place called school. And you've done a really great job, but mommy has decided to change our, and we're gonna, not going to do that. So you're not going to go to that place this year. And I saw something happen that was very subtle, but profound, which was that this little light came back on in his eyes. And it was like there had been this um, collection of dark clouds gathering over him and it was stress. And I hadn't noticed that he was stressed. And all I noticed was when the stress went away and he just got very light. And um, that was super moving to me. I didn't, I didn't see that and go, wow, I'm going to homeschool my kids. But it was a, it was kind of a lightning bolt moment for me because I thought, why is my kid so stressed and stressed enough that he changed, you know? Wow. And then, and then when the stress was relieved that I hadn't realized was there, he changed again. And this little sparkly being came back to me. Um, that was very moving. Well, and just for you to be so present enough to mm. see this, you know, maybe what was a relatively subtle change mm. um, in him enough to not want to, you know, put him through something that took his sparkle away. And yeah. then also like, I'm get, I'm wondering, was your own did that was from a place of empathy did your own mm. experience as in school as a child sort of bubble up for you when you were working through that with him i wasn't aware of it yet but i think that must have been true i have a lot of anger um regarding what i saw in the school system you know especially so i went into the school system in about 1970 and in the south chapel hill is in the middle of north carolina and um, in a very liberal community, again, in a, in a superb school system, the racism that I saw that I was just steeped in um, was really moving. Uh, I'm angry about it today, you know, still today, of course, but 
my mom wouldn't let the school system put me in that class. She just said, no, you're, you don't have permission to do that. Um, Ooh, I get so mad about it that I lose my, my train of thought. You're going to have to redirect me there. No, that's okay. That, I mean, it makes me also think about some gender differences that, Mm -hmm. you know, typically girls develop verbal skills sometimes at an earlier age than boys. And so when Mm -hmm. I'm imagining, um, you know, a learning disabled group of kids, what you're describing isn't necessarily a learning disabled group of kids, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So we're coming up um, on a break. I think this is a good place um, for us to do that. We are discussing unschooling with my guest, Catherine Williams. And after the break, we're going to continue this fascinating story of what happens when she decides not to send her two children to school, but rather to not just homeschool them, but to unschool them. You're listening to GTO, Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we've been speaking with Katherine Williams about unschooling. And before the break, she's just decided after she's seen a shift in her son not to send her two children to traditional school. Um, so Catherine, let's take it up from there. Okay. So what happened immediately after we made this decision to keep Henry home for a year of homeschooling is that I got very busy frantically trying to figure out how I was supposed to educate him. Cause I thought that that was a thing that was going to be <laughs> necessary for me to do. I had so much to learn. That was the beginning of something called de-schooling for me. And all homeschooling parents have to go through this process of de-schooling. Um, and while I was busy trying to de-school myself, though I didn't know that what it, that's what it was called, my son had just decided that he was going to teach himself to read. And he was watching Between the Lions, which was a PBS program at the time. And um, he was studying Calvin and Hobbes. That was a book that I didn't enjoy reading out loud. So it's not that he wasn't allowed to read it. I just wouldn't read it to him. And he really wanted to know what Calvin had to say. So at four and a half, he taught himself to read fluently and started reading um, Harry Potter that year. And that year of kindergarten for him, he read the first three Harry Potter books. Um, the fourth one hadn't been written yet at that point. And then at the end of that year, I looked at my husband and said, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't think we can put him in first grade now. Um, I mean, I wasn't sorry at all. I 
my eyes had sort of been opened and I thought, oh, we're going to do this more. You know, this is this is worked, not just because of the reading, but because of the freedom. Um, and that's where I get emotional and I start thinking about cultural uh, our our culture in the United States, our Western civilization that sounds so grandiose i'm sorry but um and americans like to talk about freedom a whole lot but Mm -hmm. um we are indoctrinated and institutionalized by our educational system and um it's a profound thing i mean that that is profound your you know your kindergarten age son read Mm -hmm. the first three harry potter books Mm mm-hmm that's when right. he would have otherwise been going to kindergarten and doing things that we do in kindergarten, some of which are fun, but right. it, it makes me sort of reflect on kids that out of sort of boredom or yeah. a mismatch in the material being offered are labeled with behavior problems or are labeled mm-hmm. as you talked about before as learning disabled when mm-hmm. in actuality, there may be just not all that interested. Yeah, or held back through distraction. You know, if you're busy navigating a system and um, maybe you're four and a half and you've intuited that it's stressful or you feel stressed about it. And um, frankly, I would say that that is an an accurate intuitive assessment. But in any case, you're there navigating a system um, with your very natural four-year-old mind or five-year-old mind. And that it's a it's a whole problem of unintended consequences. So you don't know that you're there to improve your mind and the teacher, the presumption is that that's what you're there for, you know, but there's a, it doesn't, there's a misfire. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. What the kids are doing is navigating their day, trying to have a happy time because that's what humans do, but it's not really possible to do that when you're five and you're, you just want to, apparently you have a personality where you just want to sit and read Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, his sister wasn't doing that. His sister was doing, uh, you know, playing games and doing the other things that she loved to do. And the, the essence of unschooling really is following your sense of passion and either, either you're going to have to do something difficult to get to what you want, or you're going, going to be joyously doing what you want, whether it's difficult or not. And that is where we authentically learn um, self-direction, fortitude, um, as well as just improving our intelligence, the the neurodiversity of our brains, if I Mm -hmm. can say it that way. That's what I think real education is. Um, You don't really have time to do that in kindergarten if you're busy lining up and being quiet, if you're busy behaving. There it Mm -hmm. is. Yes. Yes. And it, it also strikes me that, so the, the difference in the two things, which I think you just very eloquently described is, you know, I march through these things because they're what's expected of me and yeah. I'm complying and I'm trying to have a good time, but yeah. in some ways I'm trying to get through them so that I can then relax and have a good time doing whatever it is that I actually want to do. Yeah. And, right. And and how many adults are living that life, right? Yes. Like it starts, it, that was what I was reflecting on. It starts early yes. and teaches us that maybe life isn't supposed to really be fun. And we're not supposed to get to do what we really want to do 
because right. we're taught early on, you got to comply and do the steps and meet the standards, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also, I feel like, and I want to ask you about this. It, it um, makes us unable to hear our own true voice. Oh my goodness. I mean, yes, I have an anecdote for you. Um, just a few years ago, there's a, a locally famous potter named Mark Hewitt, and I had to run an errand for a, uh, an administrator at UNC to go um, scope out some presents, some corporate presents. So I went to Mark Hewitt's studio, and I had my kids with me, and he said, are you all homeschoolers? Now, when a homeschooler hears that question, it's usually derisive. And so I sort of braced for a second. I was like, we sure are. And he's like, I think that's fantastic. One of my employees is, an, is a homeschooler. And the phrase that he uses most often is, I'm just so excited. And he says he is just so excited all the time, all day long, all through work, in all the different projects. When he's talking about what he's doing after work, he's just always so excited. And, and, and Mark Hewitt said, and isn't that, isn't that how you would like to think of your kid? And he said, what a great life, right? There's, I can't, I can't find any criticism with that. And that is, that is indicative of um, homeschooling and unschooling. The freedom and joyousness are hallmarks. So tell us, okay. So you have this year um, where you observe what happens to your son um, instead of going to kindergarten and he, he, gets through these books and you're just seeing the joy and you tell your husband, okay, we like, there's no way, there's no way I can send them to school. Um, So, so give us kind of a picture day in the life. Mm. What was it like for your children? Like, how did you observe this for your children? And then also I'm really curious because you're, you're in the flow of this. So Mm -hmm. you are also getting to live this life along with them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, what were those years like for you and your kids? This is such a rich question. And there's a huge disparity in these young years, what was happening for the kids uh, while I was wrestling with what we were doing. Um, the kids were still now at this point, we've got them like they're four and five, five and six, six and seven, these really early years, we were living in Texas and the kids were just playing. I was investing in the highest quality art supplies that I could afford, that we could afford. And we were going to the library at least once a week and we took a suitcase so that we could get all the books that we wanted. Um, We went swimming every day. We went to, not, we didn't swim every day, but we swam a lot and we went to parks and we played with our puppies and we, you know, we just had a lot of fun and they had, they could sleep as late as they wanted to. They could play as long as they wanted to. And they, and I was serving three hot meals a day. So that's, that's basically it for them. Meanwhile, I was trapped in this sort of um, de-schooling hellscape where I was literally having nightmares that a principal was hunting me and going to come get me. And this was a, this was like a dark force. It wasn't just like a man in a business suit, you know, like knocking Mm -hmm. on the door and then tearfully dragging my children away. It was just more a sense of being pursued. And I, that's when I started to get an inkling about 
you know, I mentioned um, how we become institutionalized or we're not intellectually free. And you don't know that until you try to step out of the system. I mean, I never had a sense of not being intellectually free as a, as a human being until I really tried to swim against the system. And that was, um, that was my introduction to de-schooling. Yeah. So, and how I dealt with that was I got online. This was the height of mommy blogs. There was a very, um, an incredibly great chat room for homeschoolers from all over the world. Um, and, but mostly from all over the United States where we were all meeting and talking to each other. And I was just talking as fast as I could trying to figure out what was happening to me. And it was happening to all the other parents. It's an almost universal experience when you try to step out of the school system that you encounter um, dread and misbehavior, this misbehavior that you have been fighting since kindergarten in yourself, I guess. Interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering, so I, I am not a parent, so I'm, I'm one of those people that sort of from the outside looking in just sees the layered, nuanced, complex, complicated world of, of parenting. Mm. And so it sounds like you found community, Mm. um, which was important. And I do want to talk more about that. And, and also, can you say a little bit about what you encountered um, when you were interacting with people who did not share these same values, who really mm. were committed to the traditional uh, form of schooling and education that most of us mm. are familiar with? Mm-hmm. Well, that goes on today. You can't, um, if I, if I go to a dinner party and sit down and start talking about unschooling, it's almost guaranteed to make everyone in the room angry. Um, and and I am a very open-minded person and I have all kinds of friends, but I tend to hang out with pretty liberal, well-educated people. And I wouldn't expect them to be angry and defensive, or I would say really narrow-minded. And But that's what I see all the time. And I think it's because it strikes this deepest kind of, um, well, we want to know that our parents raised us well. We want to know that we did a good job and we want to know that we're doing a good job as parents. So when you touch on that, you're going to get a lot of pushback. Am I answering? What question am I answering? Can you remind me? Yeah. Well, I was curious because when, you know, one of the things that I want to do on the show, which is what we're doing today, is highlight that when when somebody is able to hear their own voice, right, Mm -hmm. and chooses to walk a path that isn't necessarily the well-worn path, that not only do you have your own kind of, um, you have to wrestle with your own alignment. Like, is this Mm -hmm. right for me? Is this right Mm -hmm. for my children? And you talked about the nightmares, Mm -hmm. you know, which is sort of like things working themselves out where you're kind of, it sounds like where you're finding your way and Mm -hmm. confirming this is the way this is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the way that I'm, that I'm choosing, but encountering a society and other parents who maybe, you know, not just don't understand this, but as you mentioned, become angry and I'm guessing judgmental. Mm. um, How did you 
um, manage your way through that as a human and a parent? You know, I think my training as learning disabled was really useful. <laughs> I just realized mm-hmm. that right this second. Like I've, I've never, I don't have the pressure of um, proving myself as a successful person because I just really haven't technically um, hit that mark very well all through my life. I was never the A student. I was never super successful, quote unquote. So um, that's that's very freeing right there. I just want to qualify to that. It's not, I don't think it's judgment so much as I think people feel genuinely hurt and frightened. Um, If you think you spent 13 years doing something and then somebody walks up to you and says, you know what, that, that was not effective. It was a waste of time and money. It was the hardest way and it was damaging. (laughs) You know, it's going to give you pause. Like don't criticize my whole life, but but elementary education is the underpinning of our whole lives. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. That's interesting. Cause sometimes, you know, something comes across as judgment, but as you say, it really is striking a chord of, of fear yeah. or doubt or questioning and or, thinking, hurt feelings. or hurt feelings. Yeah. yeah. And then this idea that there, there, there is a different way yeah. and in this different way, it really, so what I, what I love about this, and I just, part of what I can't stop um, reflecting on is that in, you know, in my vision or my, what I thought homeschooling was, it was almost mm-hmm. like recreating school mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. This, this is going to take the form of whatever the, the child or children are um, wherever their own, uh, what's the word? Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not finding the word, but they are able to hear their own like still voice. Yes. And access their intuition, I'm thinking, and, and, and access what their body needs and what their mm-hmm. mind is interested in that day. Yeah. And yes. so one person's unschooling might look very different from another person's unschooling. They all do, even within a family. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Interesting. Um, oh. uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, one of the, one of a, a homeschooling mom, friend of mine who raised 10 kids. I think that's right. I think she unschooled 10 of them described it as a self raised in solitude. Mm. And I think that that sums up a lot of the beauty. Wow. Yeah. Um, Well, that's so um, quickly before we have just a moment before we need to go to another break. And I, one of the reasons I have not been able to stop thinking about this is I have spent the last year doing the adult version of unschooling. Um, yeah, being completely, I left a, I left my corporate job. And so, you know, I allowed myself and I used my resources, which you've also talked about, right? Like you directed Mm -hmm. your resources towards this. Mm -hmm. I allowed my resources to be used so that I could follow my intuition and hear my own voice and really, you know, endeavor to do what felt meaningful and natural Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. after a life of mm-hmm. 
very structured, you know, schooling, professional, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I just have this little tiny, you know, comparatively tiny experience where I can imagine what it must have been like um, for you and your kids. And it just fills me with such joy. And one of the joys is solitude. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's exceptional and beautiful that you, you hear the story of unschooling and feel happiness and joy um, rather than defensiveness and fear. And there's something very open-hearted about that. So thank you. Thank Um, you. And yeah. we we're coming up on another break. Um, it, I, I, what I feel is peaceful. I think when mm-hmm. I, I have this vision of your kids in my head and I feel peaceful um, envisioning them learning in the way they did. Can I say real quick that um, over that piece, I would just like to say for listeners that, um, and, and the kids are all real human beings with problems and um, broken hearts and struggle. They set their own struggles. It's just not that the struggle of school is imposed over them, but I wouldn't ever want to suggest that this is some like, la la, pretend fairyland where kids are just all effortlessly happy all the time. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's um, skin, knees and the whole bit, you know? Yes. And very, very human. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, we're speaking with Catherine Williams about unschooling. Um, it's fascinating to me. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue the story of what led her children um, to graduate unschooling and move on to college at the age of 16 and how this story has played out um, in your family. We will be right back. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at GiraffeTangoOctopus.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, freedom for humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we're speaking with my guest, Catherine Williams, about unschooling. So Catherine, can you give us an idea of what it looked like for your kids to learn together in this mm-hmm. wonderful self-directed way mm-hmm. um, and what their path to college was like? And mm-hmm. I'm hoping we have time Um, in this last segment for you to kind of give us an idea of how they experienced college after Mm -hmm. coming from an unschooled um, childhood and environment. Okay. Well, let's see. It's hard to sum up when you say, how did they learn together and in tandem? It was over the course of 
um, you know, until they were 16. So it just changed all the time. But um, there was so much playing. <laughs> there was just so much playing, so much art, so much running around outside, a lot of socializing with other homeschooling friends. Um, I'm really sort of having a hard time summing it up very succinctly. It was a very broad, a very broad life. Um, yeah. What, what were some of the differences you noticed um, between your son's uh, the way your son learned and spent his time versus the way your daughter learned and spent her time. And I'm also kind of curious, you know, how much they learned together naturally came together to learn versus mm -hmm. when they would, you know, access the solitude that we were talking about before and learn yeah. independently. Sometimes they would share in that solitude. It was a shared space rather than an individual space. And I would be very curious to hear how they would answer this question. I'm, I'm sorry they're not here to speak for themselves. So apologize to them for what I'm going to get wrong. Um, my son seems to have a kind of mind very similar to his father, which is a very analytical, logical, um, academic mind. And he has always obviously been a strong reader and loves to read. And he read most of his childhood. And then he liked to play with Legos. And he was a um, visual artist. He liked to draw. And um, he played guitar. And he played some baseball. And that's kind of, those were the major things that I remember looking back in brief. And um my daughter was a delayed reader and she was this delayed reader because of my really bad parenting, which is I never had her eyes checked and she couldn't see very well. I didn't know that. And when she got glasses at age 10, she suddenly could read. So um, that's on me. But because she was a delayed reader, she had to hold language in her mind. Um, she couldn't use books to hold language. And so she liked to listen to stories on tape. She was listening to Harry Potter um, and Aragon and those popular series from back then, uh, the Percy Jackson series and all those books. Um, and she would spend hours listening to these stories and working with her hands. She was knitting, she was quilting, she was painting, she was making flower fairies, she was doing uh, things I don't even know about, experimenting with um, herbal perfumes and stuff as a little kid. Uh, Wow. And she developed this very lyrical mind and this, this ability to hold language and think. Um, oh, there's actually a really beautiful example of it. When they were about 14, I was starting to, to sense that we homeschooling was winding down and they were going to need to go out into the world for more. And that more was going to be college and it was going to be the technical college um, by mutual choice. That's what we had decided. So I, I knew that they hadn't studied any math or anything formal. There were a few little things that I really wanted them to do. Um, and one of them, I asked them to study math. I couldn't compel or order them to because they weren't raised that way. They have, they're self-directed learn learners. But I sort of, one day in the car, I went off on this long commercial for math. It's a hard sell for me because I'm not mathematical, but I was like, this is the language that um, 
human beings have discovered that describes our universe. And we can use it to discover the truth and to learn things about the universe. And some people call it an art form. And I brought in the stars. I was really just kind of going off in the car, trying to compel them to be interested in math. And my daughter just started laughing while I was talking. And she said, well, I was just reading Terry Pratchett's book, The Bromeliad Trilogy. She's 13 at this point. And she spoke for two or three minutes um, she quoted this long passage about a frog sitting on a branch, discovering the math of a bromeliad. And um, it blew me out of the water as I was driving. Like it, it's as if she was giving me the oral recitation of a research paper. Like not only did she get what I was saying, she was using metaphor and recitation and literary reference and from her memory. <laughs> No. Wow. And this is how she thinks and talks. It's not something she was performing for a test. It's who she is, literary, enlivened, uh, a poetic thinker. Um, so, yeah, they're each really unique wow. and very different. Yeah. And what, um, so you, it sounds like you were doing, trying to do a little bit of preparation with them, knowing that. Worried. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know um, what your observations of your children were um, as they mm -hmm. ramped up to go to um, technical college, but also how you experienced um, that preparation with them. Hmm. Uh, by that time, I'd had so many years in it that mostly I wasn't worried. And mostly I had believed what I'd I have decided is true is that education is neurological complexity. Um, I describe it like a really heavy, well-oiled door. Um, and the door is heavy because it does its job of being a door very well, but when you need to open it and you push on it, it's gonna swing open effortlessly. To me, that is what intelligence is. When you push on your mind because you want to learn something or go somewhere intellectually, that door is gonna swing open for you. And um, I had a lot of faith that that was just innately true, that my kids um, had very well-oiled door hinges. Sorry, mm -hmm. this metaphor is getting cumbersome. But um, so I wasn't too worried about that. It, it isn't, it's confounding. And I'm sorry to say this. And I'm, I'm almost sorry that it's true because the truth of the school system is, is heartbreaking to me personally and also for the whole for Western civilization. Um, when unschoolers drop into the school system at some point, they tend to do very well. And these are kids who have not studied math, who have not been taught to diagram sentences. They have not studied language necessarily. All of them have studied things. So some of them maybe have studied some math. Do you know what I'm saying? But they haven't been yeah. processed correctly. Um, and they tend to all be scared and curious about how they're going to um, encounter their peers. And they, they have all been given the message very subtly that what they've done is inferior. Um, and then when they step into the school system, whether that is in high school or junior high school or college or a technical school, they tend to excel um, because of those door hinges, I guess. I mean, that's all I can say. So I wasn't so worried and I've, I've lost my place again. Um, I'm sorry. I was so, I was, I, 
I was so completely present to what you were talking about. Um, okay. So, cause I would think that it, it, you know, if I put myself in those shoes, of course, I'm going to be a little bit scared. Yeah. I'm going to be worried about being the weird kid, right? Yeah. Because yeah. when you're self-directed learner and you're in a very accepting space, like it yeah. seems like, right. Like a very self-accepting, yes. um, self-confirming way to learn. Right. And then you step into a system that isn't really built. uh, It's not really built for joy, right? It's not really (laughs) built to, to, to say, well, we want you to do this because it's joyful. Right. It's built, it's built from a different place. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was just curious how they, how they experienced that. Did you notice that they Mm -hmm. were surprised by something or, disappointed by something or Mm -hmm. it was harder or easier than, than they might've thought, or you might've thought. There's a lot of different ways to address your question. Um, I know of one unschooled kid who stepped into college and their first class, their first day was an immersion French class. So this is a kid that's never been to school, never studied language, um, is meeting their peers for the first time. And their peers have all been through school and all had at least two years of a language, right? right. And it's, it's an immersion class. That kid came home sobbing, as you can imagine, refused to quit, had to study real hard and made an A in that class. And that's the kind of like you could say, what a great tragedy that this person was dropped into this situation that was unfair because it is unfair. But what I see is like how well that heavy door moved, Mm -hmm. right? You, You stepped onto campus and you had to try real hard. And the payoff for trying real hard is you had 13 years of freedom previous, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a tragedy. I think that that's an example of how well it works. Well, and it also occurs to me that, um, you know, an unschooled person is used to having choice, right? Right. They're used to choosing things that, you know, I read this, um, I, well, I didn't exactly read it. I, I, I skimmed it, but it was um, the common characteristics of kids who have become successful adults. And so when we're talking about success, we are talking about a traditional measure of success. Mm. Um, but ultimately it pointed out one of the common characteristics that in 70% of these kids who had become successful adults, uh, curiosity was mm-hmm. <laughs> curiosity mm-hmm. was the common factor. And so mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, what I reflect on is if you've been living a life where you were able to you know, be curious Mm -hmm. and push yourself to do things that were enjoyable to you, that were difficult, but you were interested in them, Mm -hmm. that even this, this kid probably made a choice, right? Absolutely made a choice. He could have said, this is not for me and I'm not doing it. This is terrible. It's too hard, too hard. I'm going to do something else, but it sounds like he made a choice and, you know, probably really like expanded that already elastic brain. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, it, I don't know why it just brings up another anecdote of my daughter's um, that this one conversation about the bromeliads in the car I had written about, I wrote all the way through, I blogged all the way through their childhood because it was a mental health tool for me. Um, but I had written this one car conversation down because it was extraordinary. Before we started talking about math, she had said she was explaining to me and her brother that sometimes when she's talking, she would reach for a word and start to say it. And her mind would remind her that she didn't know how to spell it. And then she would remind her mind that we were talking, not reading and use the word anyway. And she laughed and she wanted to know if we did that too. And all I heard is like the hallmark of self-regulation checking in with herself, which aspect of this situation in, in that instance, communication, which part of it matters most, which mask do, do I know what the word means? I'm choosing, I'm thinking critically, I'm testing myself, I'm even double checking myself, I'm overriding that, and then I'm going to use the word. Wow. Yeah. That. Um, that's, am- I mean, it's an amazing look into the inner workings of her her brain and her ability to problem solve and her ability to gauge her impact in a setting where she's having a conversation about something. I mean, that is, that is some very complex thinking and um, we're coming up on the end of the show. I could talk to you uh, forever about unschooling and I did not get to ask you uh, any questions about being a doula or about cows, which I'm also really interested in. Um, this was a fascinating topic. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. And it's, yes, it's been, it's been wonderful. And I, I, again, I have been living this, the ver- a version of unschooled for the last year and it has brought, it's brought me to this show, um, and brought me to this very conversation with you, which is, um, one of the amazing ways that our universe works. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And it's Thank just really you. nice to meet you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you everyone for listening to GTO freedom for humans. You are the reason we do this show. Um, tune in next week for a, a fascinating discussion of life after death with my guest, um, Steckley Lee. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com. You can book a free discovery session to get started on your journey to freedom. You can find um, Catherine at willcat at gmail.com. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.